we've been in this <laughs> we've been in this series core strength and we're wrapping up the series this weekend we're talking about prayer and what we've said is in the same way that our physical core is important for anything we're trying to do with our physical body to mobilize us forward. That if we want to be people who are seeking or experiencing relationship with God, we've got to get down to the core disciplines and incorporate them into our lives. And so Brian talked about reading the Bible. And, you know, how do you take the Bible and make it practical? And he talked about just listen to reading the Bible until something hits you and then kind of saying, what do I need to do with that information? So we talked about that. We also said that being in community, intentionally investing in relationships with people who can be honest with us, can help us see more of who God is and call out things in our life as we disclose to them. We said that that was just a core discipline, a place where we really will learn and understand God. And today we're talking about prayer. And, you know, Brian did a really good job of making the reading the Bible and community very kind of practical and very hands-on. As a matter of fact, in the program you got when you came in, we're continuing that. So after today, if you want to go and do some things with this information, just take a look at the back of your program, and there's some things for you to try five over the next seven days, assuming that you might not do it every day. But I have to say, and I don't do this very often, but Brian said something last week that I just need to correct. And, you know, I don't do this a lot, but we, one of the hills we die on around here is truth. And, you know, Brian last week showed this picture of a tattoo that he has on his arm. We, we have that picture. If you guys remember, you remember seeing this picture, and I, I just have to tell you, the, the tattoo is accurate. That is his tattoo, but, but nothing else. Nothing else in this picture is accurate. And so in the spirit of trying to be truthful, I've, I've done some digging this week, and I just was able to pull up an actual photo of Brian with his tattoo. And I just want to show that to you guys now. So... This is, this is the actual photo. This is more accurate to how it actually looks on his body. So, hey, we, we're going to be truthful, we're going to be real, and I just felt like I needed to correct. It was an egregious error, I couldn't let it go. So, you know, and, and look, while I'm at it, while I'm at it, you know, every week, Brian's been making a point to, you know, pull out the ball and, and do some Supermans and just kind of show us, you know, that, yeah, he's working his core, right? Every week he's done that. You know, he's, he's done these planks, you know, he's gotten down and, you know, done planks like this. And then he goes on the side and, you know, does this to try to just, just demonstrate his core. And, you know, I just got to tell you, man, just he's so basic in what he was showing you guys. And particularly the plank. I mean, the plank is a favorite exercise of mine. And anybody who's ever worked out knows if you really want to go to the next level, you've got to modify from the basics, you know, if you really want to accelerate because you just hit a plateau. And so I just want to, if you guys don't mind, I really feel like I want to show you a different moderation of this that can really take you to the next level. Is it okay if I just show this to you guys? Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, you can even start out in the basic position if that helps you. But, but this is what I found. This is actually an, an alteration I've done, particularly because of some of the back problems that I've had, is, um, is this right here. <laughs> I call this the reverse plank. <laughs> and I know, again, sometimes a very basic, still have your hands in this position. What I, what I found is when I really want to just step it up, sometimes I just do this. Oh, man, I feel it. I can feel the burn. <laughs> Woo. Hey, I, again, I know, a little bit, little bit stepped up. Just If it's not you, just take your time, go slow, you know. I've actually, I, I've really, this is something that I have made a part of my routine. I've, you don't even need a mat for it. I, I found that you can do it on a couch, you can do it on a bed. And um, not to brag, but just to set the bar a little bit high, my personal length of time, my personal record in that position is about eight hours. So... <laughs> 
just want to give you guys some stuff. But, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this, and honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, I hate working my core. I'm the guy that's like huffing and puffing after 15 sit-ups. So, you know, I am not a guy who likes working the core. As a matter of fact, I don't necessarily like working out. I mean, I work out, and I try to do it regularly, but I can't say that I necessarily like it. I feel good when it's done, but I don't necessarily like it. And that's why I want to tell you something that I had and I experienced a couple weeks ago when I went to the gym. I do work out, and one of the things that I've realized is after the baby, just kind of getting off of a regular routine, it's been hard for me to re-engage at the gym. And when I do, I just feel like I'm doing the same things over and over again. And I knew the easiest way to fix that was just to connect with one of the personal trainers there and just get some variations for some of the exercises that I do. And so a couple weeks ago, um, I remembered that, and I, you know how it is. There's a bunch of trainers at the gym where I work out, and you kind of get to scope them out and get a sense of who you might want to work with. And there were some trainers that definitely were, seemed to be really encouraging and just, you know, pretty seemed committed to working out and good teachers and all that. And they were all in the running, but there was one trainer that was just absolutely not in the running. Like, there was no way I was going to work with this guy. And, you know, I don't know, he may go here, and so I don't want to use his real name, but just to put perspective around it, we'll just call him, we'll just call him the Hulk. We'll just call him the Hulk, and that'll give you a sense of, you know, just a big guy, booming voice. And I had, let's just say I'd seen enough of him working out with his folks and having them jumping off things and doing all kinds of crazy movements that I, I knew he probably wasn't the guy that I was going to pick. So I went to the gym one day, and, you know, I stopped at the front desk and said, I'd love to connect with the trainer to get just a little bit of variation from some of the exercises that I'm doing. And they said, great, that's fine, Chuck, but here's how it works. We take your information, and then we have one of the trainers give you a call. No problem. I was in a rush, so gave them my information, went on about my workout. A couple days later, I get a call. And guess who's on the other end? <laughs> the Hulk, right. So, you know, I mean, at that point, I'm at the point of no return. I mean, what do, what do I do? You know, what am I going to say? Oh, actually, Hulk, I was hoping that it would be any other trainer than you because you intimidate me. Like, you know, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to do that. Now, now, some of you are like, well, why not? And, and you're probably the women in the room. So let me just, let me just clarify something really quickly. See, because no, no, there, there's, a, there's a distinct difference in men and women faced with this situation that kind of just leads us to different conclusions in the situation. Because you might say, rightfully so, well, you're the consumer, Chuck, so you get to pick. If you didn't want to work with him, you could have just said, hey, you know what? You're just not the person I want to work with. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for someone else. But, but there's a reason why I couldn't do that. There's actually a scientific reason why I couldn't do that. This is something that has been well studied. It's well documented. There are new examples of it every day. You see, the thing that makes men and women take a different course given that same circumstance is something called the male ego, right? So, so every guy in here knows that even if I was in for a world of hurt with the Hulk, there's no way I'm backing down. And so, you know, of course, what I do on the other end of the phone, I say, oh, Hulk, it's you. Well, of course I want to work out with you. Yeah, you know, when can we get together? Next Tuesday? Okay, great, great. So hang up the phone. Tuesday comes. I go to the gym, and I'm working out with the Hulk. And so, and, and, and obviously, it, it never goes as bad as you think it will. I, no, sometimes it can actually be worse. <laughs> sometimes it can actually go worse. And so I was doing pretty good with the reverse chest press on the Smith machine and, you know, the, the combination squat, lunge, sit-up, pull-up, back lift that you do seven sets of, and then you go up and wait every time. I was doing pretty good for all of those things, but then I started to get a little lightheaded. And I was faced with a very important decision because 
you know, I'm getting lightheaded, and I knew what I needed to do. And so the choice was I could either pass out, (laughs) valid choice, or I could just own up to how out of shape I was and just kind of back down a little bit. And so, you know, what do you think I did? I was only out for 15 seconds, though. They tell me, (laughs) no, I did not pass out. Actually, (laughs) what I did was I owned up to my, my, uh, my limits, and I sat down, and I said, you know, Hulk, I'm thinking it might be better if I just sit and watch you demonstrate the other 30 exercises you want to show me in this exercise team. So, so I did that and, you know, went on about my way with the Hulk. Now, why, why would I tell you that story? Well, if you had a Hulk story, wouldn't you tell it? I mean, you'd tell it too. But, but the reason I tell it is because I think we all can identify with being in a situation, whether it be at the gym or in some other aspect of life, where you feel like you're a little bit over your head. Where you feel like, man, whoever the people are who are doing this thing clearly have more skill than I do. They have more experience than I do. And it's kind of hard for you to make that habit or learn that skill when you feel like you're over your head. And, you know, as I talk to people who are trying to engage with God and we think about these core disciplines of Bible and community, this prayer thing is the one that most people can identify with the feeling of being over your head. I mean, maybe it's how you grew up, maybe it's your context of prayer, maybe you've just never done it before, but prayer can be this thing that is very intimidating, and that can keep us from praying. In fact, I'd be willing to say that all of us, regardless of if you've never talked to God, you've never prayed, or if you talk to God regularly and you pray regularly, that you can relate to some of the common barriers to keep, that keeps us from praying. And so I got some, some visuals just to illustrate some of this for you, and let me see first one. First one is right here, Taboo Buzzer. Anybody ever played the game Taboo? It's a fun game. For people who haven't played it, how, here's how it works. You have a, a team, and you have to help your team guess the word that's on your card. So, for instance, if your word is pool, P-O-O-L, you have to help your team guess that. And you can give them all kinds of word clues to help them guess that with one caveat. Right under the word pool, there's a list of words you can't say. So you might not be able to say swimming. You might not be able to say trunks. You might not be able to say Michael Phelps, you know, things that would help people connect to the pool. And so what happens in Taboo is while you're actually trying to get your team to say this word, someone from the opposite team is right over your shoulder with this. And if anybody's ever played it, you know that as soon as you say a word on that list you shouldn't, they're in your ear. They're buzzing you like this. And, you know, for some of us, this could be a barrier to prayer. Because we feel like we've got to have the right words. We feel like if we don't say it the right way, if we don't recite it accurately, if we don't do it in the right way, that God or someone else is going to be buzzing us for all of the things that we do wrong. And so that becomes a barrier to prayer because we feel like we've got to have the right words. Here's another barrier to prayer that you might be able to identify with. Actually, I'm just going to go with this one today. Um, The hand sanitizer. How many people have hand sanitizer? Me and my wife have a newborn. We have hand sanitizer on every floor of our house. If you come to touch our baby, we will break out a bottle of hand sanitizer quickly. Just know that if you see me with my baby. So, um, but hand sanitizer, we can relate to this thing of I've got to clean myself up before I talk to God. You know, I can't come to God with my mess. I can't come to God just raw and hurt or whatever it is. I've got to get myself clean, and then I can talk to God. And let me just say that if this is the, the barrier, if this, is, if this is the truth, if the truth is that you have to be cleaned up before you talk to God, then I should never pray. I, personally, I should never pray because I always have things that even in the midst of talking to God come up and I recognize, man, for all of the stuff I feel like I'm doing well, I still have so many places I need to grow. 
And so it can be a barrier to prayer when we feel like we've got to clean ourselves up before we come to God. I've got one more that's a, a common barrier that I think we all can relate with. So I don't know if you guys have ever had one of these phones. Got a little duct tape around the phones, disconnected. Um, even as a person who believes in the Bible, and I do, I believe the Bible is true. I believe it's the inspired word of God. But I, I got to be honest, there are times when I pray when I wonder if there's anybody on the other end. I, I wonder, is prayer just this psychological exercise that helps me relax? Or am I actually having a live conversation with God? And does God, in fact, want to engage with me in that way? I think we all can relate to these common barriers to prayer. And that's why I've always been fascinated when I look in the Bible at how Jesus teaches his disciples, the people who were closest to him, how to pray. Because in what he says to them, he kind of breaks down those common barriers. And so what we're going to do today is just look at the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that was shared in the beginning. We heard it in different languages. The prayer that's kind of been remade into the psalm that we heard. We're going to take a look at where Jesus kind of teaches the people who are closest to him about this thing called prayer. And so this, this shows up in a couple places in the Bible. We're going to look in one of the biographies of Jesus' life, the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 11, we see Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. And this is what it says. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And so we see that the disciples, the people who followed closely with Jesus, I'm sure they had seen Jesus pray a lot. And what we can kind of sense here is there was probably something in the way that Jesus talked to God in prayer that was different than what they had ever experienced. Because one of the things we know is it wasn't like these guys had never prayed before. In fact, in the Jewish culture, you can be pretty sure that by this time they had memorized dozens of prayers. And in fact, three, maybe five, maybe more times a day, they would pray regularly. So talking to God in prayer wasn't new to them, but there was something about how Jesus did it that struck them. And they just recognized in humility, man, he's doing something in his conversation with God that I don't necessarily experience on a regular basis. And I think it was this. I think if Jesus were to step into the role of personal trainer in the same way that that trainer worked with me in the gym today, I think he'd want to structure the entire lesson around one concept. And the concept would be this, that prayer is not a ritual thing. Prayer is not meant to be ritual, but prayer is relational conversation with God. Prayer is relational conversation with God. I think what the disciples saw in Jesus is they saw a person that was relating to God when they talked to him in prayer, as opposed to someone who was just fulfilling a ritual. And they wanted that in their conversations with God. They wanted that in the way that they pray. And so for me, my prayer is constantly, and I pray this for us today, that Jesus would do for us in this time together what he did for his disciples, that he would teach us how to pray. And what I want to do is walk through the Lord's Prayer and kind of give you a framework for it. Because I think in doing that, we'll begin to understand what Jesus wants us to know about prayer. And let me say that I'm going to use an acronym today. And the acronym is PRAY. It's P-R-A-Y. And, you know, that can feel like a formula too. And let me just say that this, what Jesus was doing in this is he was giving us a skeleton for the conversation with God. And he didn't want it to be a formulaic thing. But in the same way that if I go to the gym 
It makes sense for me to get some exercises that help me work multiple body parts. It, it makes sense that when I go to the gym and when I met with this trainer, he didn't just give me exercises that work my chest, but he said, hey, you need to work your chest, your back, you need to work your legs, your abs. We need to have kind of a total body workout. And what Jesus is giving us in this Lord's Prayer is kind of a total totality of our conversation with God. It doesn't mean that every time we talk to God, we need to do all these things, but it does mean this is, this is how the fabric and the framework of our conversation with God can be. And so the P, the first thing, is, well, let me just step back and say one thing, though. The, the thing that strikes me most about how Jesus prays is that he communicates to us something that I heard someone frame this way. It's not that we have to pray. You know, I, maybe you would think that when you come to a church, that's surprising to hear somebody say that. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You get to pray. You get to talk to God. And Jesus illustrates this by how he approaches God in the conversation. The first word he uses is the word Father. He approaches God and says that we can talk to God and we can call him Father. And, you know, I thought about this in terms of my relationships. You know, how you approach someone, how you address someone in conversation gives you a sense of the level of intimacy you have with that person. And so the example that I thought of is, you know, there's a lot of women in my life beyond just my wife. There are women that I work with. There are women that are, you know, on teams that I may have been a part of. There are women in my family who I'm just, you know, I'm, they're my mother or my sister. And when I approach those people, how I address them tells you a lot about the intimacy I have with them. And so one of the things I thought about is of all the women that are in my life, there's only one that when I approach her, I call her babe. And that's what I call my wife. I call Maria babe. Unless I'm trying to help someone else know that I'm talking about Maria, when I talk to her and we're around the house, I usually start the conversation by calling her babe. And that gives you a sense of the intimacy that I have with my wife. That's something that's distinct and set apart that I don't use for any other woman who I may be having relationship with in my life because at no, at no other woman is at the point of intimacy that I am with my wife. I call her babe. And what Jesus is illustrating by calling God father is he's saying this is the level of intimacy that you can have with God. Because he could have said, master. Because there's no doubt in the Bible as you read it that God wants us to see him as a master, as someone who has authority in our life. And when we choose to follow Jesus, we are choosing to come under his authority. He could have used master. He could have used teacher. Because there's no doubt as we look at the Bible that, that God is teaching us. He's teaching us and illustrating things. But, but Jesus uses this word, father, because he wants us to know that that's how we can approach God. We can call him Father. And then Jesus goes on to say that in this skeletal framework, there are some things that you can do in your conversation with God. And, and the P stands for praise. Praise. And, and what does that mean? Jesus says, Father, and then he goes on to say, hallowed be your name. And that word hallowed means holy, set apart, distinct from anyone else. And what he's saying is God has attributes that you and I don't have. God has some perfect attributes that you and I can never experience. There are some powerful things about God. There is this mystical part of God that is distinct and set apart. And that's why Jesus says when we pray, it is right to praise. It is right to call out those attributes of God. And in my prayer time, I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning, you know, things like what we sang. I'm learning that God's love is strong. We sung that together. God's love is strong. What that means is God's love is distinct and beyond any love that I could produce or anyone else could produce on this earth. His love is beyond that. You know, one of the things that struck me when we went through the power outage a couple weeks ago or last week was, you know, even though that was a major inconvenience, 
I never missed a meal. And my parents were in town, and actually we wound up probably having better connection and a better visit because we didn't have some of the technological distractions. And when I thought about that, it made me understand differently when I say that God is good. Because to say that God is good means that when he does things, he, he has the totality of what is good for me in mind. And even things that I might see as an inconvenience or a difficulty could ultimately be good for me. And that's what I experience. And, you know, for me, when I pray, I call that out. God, you, you were good in that situation to allow us to be in a, in a place where we were forced to live simply and we were forced to engage with each other. We needed that for our relationship. And so I can look at God and call out those attributes that he has, that he's loving, that he's good. But I also know that praise for me can be a, a, an expression of gratitude as well. An expression where I talk to God and I simply thank him for things he's done. You know, I was thinking about this as we talked about Kids Club last week. And, and now that I have a son, I'm, I'm thinking about the fact that, man, my son has the opportunity to go over to Kids Club and understand God on a level that is in his, in his language. And just how much of a blessing that is, you know, we, this week in staff prayer, we watched uh, a video of kids in kids club being baptized. And as I watched these kids talk about their relationship with God, and as I watched them talk about how Jesus was their forever friend and what that meant to them, and that they understood what they were doing, they understood this choice that they were making, man, I was just grateful. I was just grateful that I get to be in a community where that happens for kids, you know, I was telling Brian about this and just how this impacted me. I said, you know what Kids Club was for me when I was in church? Kids Club was my mom giving me a piece of candy and saying, shut up until the service is over. I mean, that was, that was Kids Club. That was all we had. But, but to have a place where kids can go and, and hear things that they can connect to that help them understand more about who God is, I'm grateful for that. And so when I pray, I praise. I call out those attributes of God that are good or loving, those things I see in him. And I can also use that as an opportunity to just re reflect back gratitude to him for things he's done. So we can praise. Jesus goes on in the prayer to also say that we can repent. That part of our conversation with God, the reason we don't have to come to him perfect, is because prayer can be about us repenting. It can be about us calling out the things in our life that are inconsistent with God's truth or inconsistent with his character and turning from those things. That's why Jesus says in the prayer, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the places we miss the mark. So the word sin means. Forgive us of the places where we miss the mark, God. And then later on in the prayer, he says, and lead us not into temptation. Turn us from that. And so when I come to God, part of my dialogue with him can simply be saying, hey, God, you know, there are some things that I'm doing that are inconsistent with how you want me to live my life. And I just... When I come to you and I talk to you, I'm aware of those things. As I think about how awesome you are and how good you are, I'm aware of places where I've missed the mark. And I don't have to shy away from that. I can come to God with that. And I can even say, God, I don't know how I'm going to fix this. I don't know how to change this. Can you help me? Can you help me turn away from this? That can be a part of our prayer conversation with God. We can repent. And Jesus goes on to teach us that we can ask. We can ask God for things. I love how he says it. Give us today our daily bread. Just this basic request that, God, there are basic needs that I have today. There are basic needs of food and shelter and basic needs that I need. You know, for us today, as we think about this economic challenge, man, this daily bread prayer makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense because I know for some of us, what we need is we need enough money to close the gap for the, for the mortgage payment this month. That, that's, that's a practical thing. And God, and God wants us to know that when we talk to him, we can ask him for those things. We can approach him as a father and we can say, God, man, I don't want to lose my house. 
God, you know what, I, I, I like my job and I understand that this might have some implications and, man, I still want my needs provided. I would love to keep my kids in this school. Those are practical things that we can ask God in prayer. We don't have to feel like those things are out of line when we talk to God in prayer. We can ask him for things. And Jesus is illustrating that through this framework. We can praise God. We can call out the attributes. We can repent. We can turn away from those things that are inconsistent. And we can ask God for things in prayer. The final thing, the why, is there's also a place in prayer for yielding. There's a place for yielding. And what that means is when I stop praising, I stop talking about the things that are inconsistent in my life, and I stop asking for things, and I simply listen. And this is when prayer becomes a two-way conversation, when I simply listen to God. You know, there's a Bill Cosby bit that he did quite a while ago where he said when he had kids, you know, he was young, when the kids were younger, his name was Dad. They called him Dad. But as they got older, he said his name changed. His name changed from Dad to Dad Can I. Dad Can I. So every time the kids came to him, it was Dad Can I Have a Couple Dollars or Dad Can I Go to This Person's House. And he was like, when did my name change from Dad to Dad Can I? And, you know, if I'm honest, when I pray, man, it's easy for me to get into this dad can I mode. You know, dad can I. God, help me with this. God, do this. God, I want this. God, I want that. And what I've learned is as I've grown in my ability to talk to God and as I've learned in the ability to hear from him, it happens when I stop the dad can I. And I remember that part of this deal is that I simply just want to be in a place where God can, can influence me and speak to me. And so when Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation, I love those first three words. God, lead us. And he leads us when we yield as a part of our prayer conversations with him. You know, I've heard people all my life say, God told me, or God spoke to me. And I used to really be frustrated because I'm like, look, I, what, what does that mean? What does that mean God told you, God spoke to you? Did you hear an audible voice? What does that mean? And, you know, as I've grown and in my time of praying and talking to God, what I've realized is, you know, God does speak to me, but I've never heard an audible voice. But here's how God speaks to me. Here's how God tells me things. He tells me when I'm yielded in my time of prayer, and maybe I, in that time of prayer, feel like I need to go and share that with another person. And as I share my dilemma with another person or my challenge with another person, they may say some things to me that I would have never thought of on my own. And if it's consistent with what God says is truth, that's God speaking to me. But that only happens when I take the time to be quiet and yield in my time of conversation with God. Let me tell you another way that God regularly speaks to me. We saw it when Brian was illustrating, the, reading the Bible. When I read the Bible, I'm in a yielded position. It's not me putting out information to God. It's me in a place of receiving from God. It's yielding. And I know that I had, I had just, just, just today, I had this happen to me. Or actually yesterday, I was reading the Christmas story. I've read the Christmas story a ton of times, the story of, you know, when the angel comes to Mary and tells her she's going to have a baby. And I, I've, I've read that a ton of times, but I saw something in that story about trust, simple trust that this 14 or 15, however old she was, she was probably a young teenage girl, had in God that I had never seen before. When that happens and I'm reading the Bible, I don't see that as a coincidence. If I'm in a place of praying and asking God to speak to me, which is something I regularly do when I read the Bible, when that happens, that's God speaking to me. There's something he wants to teach me about trust. Maybe it has something to do with this economic crisis we're in. I don't know. But there's something he wants to teach me. And I, when I get that, I know that happens when I'm yielded in my time of prayer. And so Jesus gives us this skeleton for the conversation with God. 
when he wants us to understand that you don't have to do all of this every time you pray, but as regular rhythms of your conversation with God, we should be praising. We should be calling out attributes of God that are good. We should be repenting. We should be willing to say, God, there are things in my life that I know don't please you, and I want to walk away from those things. We should be asking God. We should be asking God for what we need. And we should also give him time to speak to us. We should yield. Now, I want to go back to the story that I said at the beginning about the personal trainer. Honestly, it was a great time with him. He, he taught me some things and gave me some things that are really going to help me go to a different place in my workout. But here's what I know. As good as that session was, and it really was good, it will do me no good if all I do is just take notes in that meeting and never return to the gym. The way that that gets to be something that helps me build my strength is when I go to the gym two or three times a week and I actually put into practice what he taught me. See, the thing with prayer is prayer is not ritual. It doesn't require the right words. It doesn't require you to get cleaned up first. But you know what it does require? It requires time. It requires us putting in the time to actually talk to God and have conversation with him. No relationship in our life grows if we don't spend time with that person. And the same is true with prayer. And so what I want to do now for the couple minutes that we have is I want to exercise together. I want to exercise together. I actually want us to do the pray model, the P-R-A-Y. And the way this is going to work is I'm going to just start it off, and I'll just talk to God. I'll, I'll probably just recall some of the things in the Lord's Prayer. I'll just talk to God in my own words, and I'm just going to be quiet. And in that quiet, I just want to give you space right where you are. If you want to begin to maybe try on some of this in your own conversation with God, I'm just going to give you a couple minutes to walk through this model and just talk to God. Maybe you want to write some notes. Maybe you just want to reflect. But I want to give you some space to actually exercise together because what Jesus wants us to know is that prayer in our life grows as we do it. It's about doing it. So let's just do that now. God, um, I'm just thinking about when Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says that your name is holy. And I'm thinking about attributes, God, that are, um, are just emerging in my life right now. Uh, God, one of them that I just see really playing out in my life is just your faithfulness. I, I see you returning me to certain promises that you made when I was younger about how my family life would be and um, the kind of healing that you want to do from some of the pain that I had from the church that I grew up in. And I just see your faithfulness as you bring those things back to my memory and you show me how you're, you're healing those things and you're giving me conversations uh, that I may not even want to have. You're giving me opportunity to have conversations where I tell people how I really felt and they get to share with me their thoughts. And in the midst of that, there's healing. And so I just see that as your faithfulness, God. So I'm thankful for that. And I just call out that you are faithful. Um, and I just want to praise that in you, that you are faithful. So I'm just give you guys some time to maybe think of attributes of God or things that you're grateful for.
another thing that you show us in the Lord's Prayer is uh, that part of our prayer conversation is repentance. It's actually turning away from the things in our life that are inconsistent with how you want us to live. And the fresh one for me is that um, as much as it's fun to, to make jokes about Brian, and I, I enjoy that, I do enjoy that, I think we all do, um, God, I thank you for just also showing me that there is also a place to affirm his authority and leadership as leader and pastor of this church, because that is an awesome responsibility, and um, it's one that I would not desire. Um, and God, I just ask that you help me to toe a, a line that honors you and honors Brian in terms of how I poke fun, but also um, let me defend him in the places where I can, and let me just affirm his authority as a, as a leader as well. So I just thank you for showing me that, and um, that's a line that I want to really just walk very closely and be led by you. Jesus, you go on to say that we can ask for our daily bread. We can ask God for anything. Because when we approach him, we can approach him as a father. God, um, I just really feel like you've, you've met so many of my needs. And I admit that sometimes I still struggle to ask you for stuff. Even though I know I can, I just struggle. And I struggle to ask you for just basic stuff. And um, God, one of the things that that you know I've really been wrestling through is just how many, how many little things have been popping up in our house and how those little things just continue to deplete savings. And that's a, that's a spot of fear. And I guess in, in the spirit of repentance, I know, God, that you don't call me to be afraid and I need to trust you with my needs. But God, at the same time, man, it would be nice if we just went through a period where things worked in the house and we didn't have to... Um, trap squirrels again that keep getting into the attic. I, I'd really just like to be past that. Um, so I just ask for that. God, it would be really, it'd be really nice to just go through a period maybe this winter where things just work and in the spring, if everything falls apart again, I guess I'll, I'll ask you some more.
God, I know part of prayer is also just yielding, just being quiet and seeing if there's anything you want to say. And so these last couple of seconds, God, if there's anything you want to impress on me or anybody in here, I just want to give you room to speak. Feel free to open your eyes. Um, you know, I talked about how sometimes God speaking is not necessarily an audible voice, but sometimes it could be an impression. Um, some of the ways that it plays out is maybe maybe there's a picture of someone in your mind, and they're attached to that picture is a thought. Like, man, I need to call that person and forgive them. Or I need to call them and encourage them. Uh, something that happened to me, just this probably won't happen every, every service, but one of the things that struck me, and I think it's because it's the first time we did this, is just how uncomfortable the last couple minutes were for me. I don't know if they were for you, but just uncomfortable to kind of just sit in that place and talk to God and, and listen and just the quiet. And the thing that just was impressed on me is, you know, anything that I don't do regularly feels uncomfortable. Um, the new exercises that I'm starting to do, they feel uncomfortable. And the reason they feel uncomfortable is because they're new and I'm growing in that and I think we can really get to a place where we are afraid of discomfort. Or we feel like discomfort means we're not doing something right. And I just want to say, if that was uncomfortable for you, great. Great. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. And I just encourage you to continue to, to do that, to have conversation with God in that way. Um, you know, we're wrapping up this series. And one of the things that I just want to say as we close is core strength, these core disciplines of prayer, Bible, and community, we talked about these a lot at Crossroads, and one of the regular analogies we've used is that these core strengths of prayer, Bible, and community are a three-legged stool. A three-legged stool, and you really need to have all of them in balance if you're going to be growing in your relationship with God. Because if you're all Bible all the time, then your relationship with God becomes this intellectual exercise, and you don't really get to the relational level, and you're not disclosing with other people who can help refine how you're seeing God. And the same thing if you only pray. If you only pray, then like I said, you're missing out on two ways that God might want to speak to you as a result of your conversation with him. Because he can speak to you through other people and community, or he can speak to you as you read the Bible. And in the same way, if you just do community, 
then it's almost like having a second-hand relationship with God where you never really talk to him directly, but you just talk to him through other people. And so as we lead this series, I just want to encourage you guys with the same three points that Brian made the first week. And the first is this, start somewhere. Start somewhere. This is uncomfortable. I know some of the things that you may have been exposed to in the series are new. For others of us, maybe we've been doing them for a while, but we've kind of slacked off. Hey, start somewhere. Start somewhere. The second is be patient for gains. Be patient for gains. Be willing to go through that uncomfortable period, but know that if you do this stuff, it will help you grow in your relationship with God. I wouldn't make many guarantees. I guarantee that. I guarantee these are the ways. These are the ways throughout history people have connected with God. And the final thing, start somewhere, be patient for gains, and do something. Do what works. Brian said it great. The best workout is the one you're doing. So incorporate this into your life, and I know it will impact you. So let's just pray. God, I just want to ask that you would help us to do those three things, that you would help us to begin to incorporate regular times where we're working on our core. And as we do that, I know that you will strengthen us. Um, and I'm just looking forward to how that continues to play out in my own life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great weekend. Take care.